Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18plusbegambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from TalkSport. Hello, game dayers. This week, something a little bit different. Whatever the colours of your choice, red, blue, yellow, or a mix of them all, the leaders appear about as competent as West Ham keeper Roberto playing that game from that Friends episode. You remember, don't drop the ball. Picking up said ball and running with it this week, David Conley talks about playing for a manager who's clearly on his way out. Uh, We analyse the gaffers at Southampton, Watford, Arsenal, West Ham and Everton. Could they be under any more pressure? Uh, Plus, our usual cast of Alex Crook, Tom Rennie and Andrew Butler, who will ask you for the best legs in the league. But don't worry, listener, I'll be there for you. This is Game Day from TalkSport. This is Game Day Premier League Preview Show. It is, boys, the 25th anniversary of Friends this month. Oh. Yeah, cinema screenings of great episodes back to back to back. They're doing it in three parts. There's so many good ones. I can't wait. Uh, our geeky Geller-like paleontologist is no dinosaur. David Connolly is here. Hello. Hello. Good afternoon. Stories can sometimes go on about as long, though. Uh, regularly making extra dosh as a Gunther Graham. Tom Rennie is the international football editor for TalkSport. I always preferred Seinfeld, personally. Uh, and a man who tweeted uh, for the West Ham boss to resign at halftime during the Tottenham game. Yeah, and that was too late. Well, let's get on to it. Inside the crystal pump, Spock faces in, low it's in. Alera scored. West Ham United are in front. Kovacic sprays it wide to the left hand side. Pulisic comes in field again. He's found Batshuayi inside the area. Batshuayi's shot blocked and then headed into the back of the net by Christian Pulisic. And it's six successive wins in the Premier League for Chelsea. Yarmolenko plays an excellent ball in field. Here is Snowgrass clean through. And West Ham United have the lead. Here is Conte moving through the centre, getting on the end of a loose ball and squeezing it past the advancing Edison and giving Chelsea the lead. Well, Tammy Abraham was following it in, but I think Engolo Conte got there and steered it over the line. Saturday at 3pm, Frank Lampard welcomes Manuel Pellegrini and West Ham to Stamford Bridge. David Moyes has been linked with a return, but let's focus on Manuel Pellegrini because he's the first under our managerial microscope this week. Premier League winner, yes, but is he still at the cutting edge of football management, David Connolly? Because he's had injuries over his tenure, Fabianski's been a massive miss, but that Burnley performance by his goalkeeper Roberto wasn't a one-off. And let's be honest, if he had anything about him, he would have dropped the goalkeeper before Saturday's game against Tottenham, wouldn't he? 
Yes, I think you. I think you would have done. I mean, whether he's showing blind loyalty, the only thing I'd say is, I'm not too sure he's got that many other options. I mean, there is David Martin to come in, but I think that would be a big jump to suddenly have. It's a big jump, but he's someone who's played English football for a long time has got over 400 career league appearances. He can't do any worse than letting the ball slip through his hands. Well... 11 times from 12 shots across four games. Yes, I think that it is a big jump. He's really struggling in terms of... You could have put Carl Walker in goal against Tottenham and he'd have made more saves. Possibly, yeah. I'm not going to defend him. Um, He can see to goal every 41 minutes at West Ham. Yeah. Fabianski's over 70 minutes. I mean, yeah. this is why West Ham are struggling. Okay, so well, it's not just the reason why. What are the other problems then? Tell me what the other problems are. Because there's obviously, I mean, the goalkeeper is a massive, as far as I'm concerned, it's a massive thing. I think it's spread, the biggest problem. It spreads absolute Absolutely. panic amongst everybody else. But I'd, what are I'd the ag- other issues? Well, I'd agree the goalkeeper is a big problem, but what else does he do? If he's only Put got the David other goalkeeper Martin, yeah. well, he's only, well, Try what, the other guy. Okay, what happens if David Martin goes in then and it's a similar well, story? Well, it doesn't make any difference, Who hasn't really played that much football, has he? First in football for quite a while. Last time I saw him was at the Den, which against Brighton he made a really. It was that that was bad. Poor he error. throws it in his own net. He but I tell you what, he'll have FA Cup game, it, yeah. he'll have goodwill from the fans because he's Alvin's boy. Absolutely. And at the moment, Roberto has no goodwill at well, all. He's he is negative every time he touches. Well, I'm just yeah. I, I, I'm thinking of David here because he hasn't played that much, and it's a big it's a big call to be the West Ham goalkeeper. He can't do any worse, Dave. Seriously, he can't do any worse. I'm not saying he. I'm not saying that he, he isn't going to do any worse. It's just a big call, and yeah. I think I think obviously Pellegrini is hesitant because he's he's probably thinking the same thing. Okay, tell me the other problems. Well, where do you start? Um, <laughs> initially, it looked like they well they got off to a great start in the not certainly in the league, but they recovered. Um, mm. They were going great guns, obviously against United. I don't know whether he changed it against Oxford in the cup. That seemed to be the start of a downward spiral. Huh. But since then, he sort of altered his shape a little bit. Um, I don't think, personally, Declan can handle it in the middle of the park all by himself. Mm. I think certainly he needs a little bit of defensive cover alongside him. He had Robert Snodgrass and Mark Noble with him yep. in centre midfield in 2019. Yep. 31 and 32 years of age. One is not a central midfielder. One doesn't quite have the legs he had five, six years ago. However, I still think a good however actually, was probably West Ham's best player on the day. Mm. Uh, you know, that is a real concern to me. I mean, Declan Rice actually played okay he was in that all right, match, yeah. and he anticipated a couple of big attacks which could have got worse. Tottenham, I don't think, actually had to play that, that well. Now they're going to Stamford Bridge, a place they haven't won at for a very long time. How are they going to tackle Chelsea? Well, it's going to be very difficult because, you know, can Allaire be any more isolated? No. I don't think he can. If they then try and get players to join up and link up with him and get a little bit closer, then they're going to be even more vulnerable in around the middle of the park. It's a, it's a really hard one. They've had issues at full-back areas in terms of who's going to play in the left-back area, who's going to play in the right-back area. I think, for example, they really need... I know he's come on, he made a really good impact, but I thought Mikel Antonio was superb. He's so, been a massive miss since he's been injured. But ultimately, miss. there's so many of these problems. David said, where did you start as soon as we asked him this question? You're a West Ham United fan. Mm. You watch them week in, week out. They don't score goals. They don't keep clean sheets. Their best player by a mile is a bloke who many people think is over the hill uh, and his legs have gone. They're going to get relegated if they don't make a change. So... The sooner you do it, mm. the better, right? Because at the moment, Manuel Pellegrini does not look like the guy that won the Premier League with Manchester City. He looks no. like the guy who went to China. But he is a man who, throughout his career, has a pedigree of taking NAF teams, like Malaga, for example, and taking them up the table. This is a bad run, and if he was to go, I would be fine with that. However, 
Currently, David Moyes is front runner. David Moyes has the second worst win percentage of any manager in West Ham history at 29%. So if David Moyes is the answer, then I would say stick with what you got. Uh, that was a theme on Twitter, actually, when I threw it out there a little bit earlier on. What do you think? Who, who would be the contenders? I mean, they are talked about as the potential favourites, Moyes and Piercy. I don't think David Moyes is going to suit. I know he had a short-term deal there and actually he did, he did quite well in that mm. sort of short-term thing. Well, he just, said, he just said they didn't. Well, I think he did okay if you look at what he had in he that had short time. He had a worse squad than what he would go into uh, now. Absolutely. So I think with what he had, obviously he got Arnie down through the middle. He managed to make a player out and of him. And by the way, they had to deal with a very difficult situation with him halfway yeah. through that I season. i tell you what as well. You, you've said it there. West Ham have missed Marco Anatovic this season hugely. Have hugely. they really? No, I'm telling you, right? His attitude obviously stunk, and that's what got rid of uh, him in the end. That's why he had to leave. You know, he pushed his way out the club. But there were games last year and games during his time there, starting under Moyes, then going on to Pellegrini last year, where his force of will got West Ham into the game. Hmm. Thinking about Tottenham away last year, Burnley at home last year, many other times, Marco Anatovic somehow got West Ham into a game. I don't see that from Allaire. He needs people around him, of which there is nobody. Felipe Anderson is getting dragged off in every game. Going back to the Chelsea game this weekend, I think Pellegrini needs to go back to having two up front, which is something he's done throughout his entire career, but hasn't made it work at West Ham. And I'd have Mikel Antonio, who can only last 60 minutes, somewhere near Allaire, in the hope they can do something. Because defensively, they can't hold on. Diop is suspended. Uh, for this game five bookings he's picked up this season that might not be the worst thing considering how bad he has been so it's Balboina and Balboina and Ogbonna and I would probably go 3-5-2 stick Rice in there as well as David Moyes once did and get Antonio up alongside Allaire to try and create something well what about Yarmolenko? This was meant to be yeah. the year of Yarmolenko. He comes up with a couple of goals, and then if you look at the weekend, obviously there's one winger who's not really doing it, and then another one comes in in his place, four nails, who hasn't really done it either. So, mess. They've got big problems. Uh, well, Chelsea's home form isn't great, but West Ham haven't won there since 2002, which was roughly the last time the Arsenal fans were happy. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Unai Emery's numbers over 18 months are worse than Arsene Wenger's last 18 months. He's the next one we're going to look at. The board is eating itself alive. The chairman 
has thrown his chips in. Uh, the uh, fans aren't happy. Booed off against Saints, who should have actually beaten them. His post-match interviews make you think he doesn't understand the gravity of the situation. Do the club understand the gravity of the situation? Because actually, we're, we're at a real bad point for Arsenal here. Well, we are. I was at the Emirates at the weekend for the game, and even when they equalised right at the dead, there was no real reaction from the crowd. Um, well, they, they equalised against they were, Southampton, who were in the bottom three. It's no yeah. major achievement to get a point from them, is it? No, but actually, they still had time to go and win the game. Um, but there just seemed to be a sort of apathy towards the team. Mm. They were so, so poor. I mean, if you look at their structure and how they set up, you know, I spoke to a few of the people at Southampton before the game. They had a game plan of how to get the ball back off Arsenal. And look, it wasn't that detailed. When Arsenal try and play out of the back, let's just go and press them yeah. and let's try and win it back. And because they're not very good at it. Because they're not very good. And especially when they give the ball back to Leno, he then but if puts it out that, over to Socrates. I know that. He knows that. Why does Everybody at Leicester knows that. Everybody at Southampton knows that. Why on earth are they still doing it? Absolutely. And then Leno, he, look, his distribution is terrible. At the back, they were all over the place. Um, the two centre-forwards at times were, one was on one wing, one was on the other, to accommodate Ozil. So, actually, their strength with that front two should have been that they're working closer together, but actually, they're really far apart. The two in the middle of the park kept losing possession, and obviously, the goals were just catastrophic. Yeah. They were so bad. And look, Southampton could have. 20 plus should have shots had they had, yeah. They should have had four goals. Okay, but moving on to this week, because they've got uh, an away game against Norwich City. Yeah. You know, Simple things like drilling the back four, making the best of what you've got, which is what Jose has done immediately at Spurs. They're the basics. Yeah. Surely the answer is making sure that Luca Torreira plays in the middle of the park alongside somebody else. He's good, very good at winning the ball back, especially he was for Uruguay. Mm. Um, then and making sure that the defence actually understand what the word offside means, rather I, than one of them straggling at the back and allowing someone to, to to get in behind them. I think understand is a really good word to use. I think these guys don't understand what their roles are. They were three at the back against. Southampton they change it to four at the back in games quite a lot did that against Sheffield United quite recently uh, Mesut Ozil was bombed out six weeks ago and now he's starting every week he's a captain Aubameyang is, is working the channels one minute then he's up through the centre the next minute or they move him the on the wing now, actually. I mean there's so many this, that's another great question who does lead this side I watched that game against Southampton and I'm watching individual players especially David Luiz and he should never have been bought we, we spoke about this at the start of the season and they don't know what their roles are and it goes back to the goalkeeper the Watford game earlier this year, uh, where they gave a goal away from the goalkeeper, during that game, it took David Luiz to go up to the goalkeeper, Leno, and say, stop doing this. Stop kicking the ball short to me. You've got to go upfield. They'd already conceded a goal at that point, and that replicates every week. But they've, all, these they've guys already don't been doing know that. They what these Burnley. lessons are. We did a lot of the game on uh, TalkSport, the second game of the season, at the Emirates against Burnley. The whole game, they were playing out from the back and getting dispossessed by Burnley. And then right at the very end, when they were trying to see the game out, they thought, oh, actually, this is not a great idea for the final few minutes. Let's just kick it long. And they ended up doing that. But like, you, you've got an owner who doesn't speak publicly in Stan Kroenke. He's an absentee owner. You've got an executive football ball based up of uh, analysts and ex-players. But Arsenal are a club, aren't they, of tradition. It's the place you would go and wear a suit in the press box because you had to back in the day. The marble halls of, of Highbury, the custodians of this great club. The high Heart and soul seems to have been lost from this. How, how do you get it back? I think we're, you're going a, a little bit f too far away from the actual, what you see on the football pitch. Right? Yeah. It's the all manager, connected though, isn't it? Hang on, the manager is so important in terms of what goes on. You look at, wherever it may be, look at how Klopp has had an impact, how Pep had an impact at Man City. However, 
if they work all two weeks in the international break, how they're going to play against Southampton and they start with a back three and abandon it, take off Callum Chambers, he wasn't the worst player, leave Socrates on. He then moved from a left side centre half to a right side centre half. They then get back in the game by a longer diagonal pass, which is flicked on. Martin only gets in and scores. All these things are pretty simple in terms of how you're playing out on the pitch, which comes down to the manager. You can talk about recruitment. You can talk about strategy. He brought Pepe on. He was an expensive signing. You can talk about Louise. A lot of those decisions, how they set up on the football pitch, it's got nothing to do with Edu. It's got nothing no. to do with Raul Sanelli, well, wherever well, it may well, be. Well, well, that has, is all down to the manager. The yeah, but that's all down to the manager who goes out puts him out on the pitch. So, well, what can what's, what's he do? What's a great point about that is that right now we're talking about Emery, Pellegrini, Silva, all these people, right? We're not talking enough about some of these players Good, who have decided they don't point. want these managers anymore. And so what do they do? They stop running. They stop working. The effort is missing. They're not listening to instruction. I don't believe for a second, you might tell me otherwise, having been in dressing rooms, I don't believe these guys haven't been given instruction. I just don't think they're delivering on those instructions. Or they understand it. So what, well, yeah. how, what, what is it like being in a dressing room, and you've definitely had enough clubs to know this, um, <laughs> <laughs> where, um, where a manager, you know a manager is done. You know he's finished. You know it's just a matter of time before he gets the P45. What happens in the dressing room there? That is, that's a kind of um, a moot point because Southampton players may or may not be behind Hasselhoff. I might have been at a club where, you know, maybe the players didn't quite fancy the manager. We went out, if you went out on a football pitch, you had a strategy, a game plan. It didn't matter really if the manager, if he liked you, he didn't like you, he picked you, if he shook your hand, if he ignored you. I know, for example, Hasselhoff didn't speak to half the players before he named his team. Mm. Gave, him, gave him a game plan. He said, there you go, that's your game plan. You go out. He left six of them back in Southampton. He wasn't putting his arm around anyone, but they went out and carried out his game plan. And I just think that whether Uno Maria has a game plan, whether it's detailed enough, whether it's good enough, or whether the players didn't carry it out, either way, it all comes down to Unai Emery and those players whether they like him or don't like him whether you know whether they put an arm around him or he shouts at them it doesn't really matter they've got a responsibility on that pitch to go and do what they've been told to do I don't think tactically certainly is not a greatest coach as everyone believes he is okay he has won three Europa Leagues though isn't he and just to say you still didn't answer my question um, could they lose at Norwich do you think Tim Krull was in cracking form they've just won at Everton away from home well watching that game for Norwich against Everton last week it, I think Everton weren't as bad as all that you know they had a lot of good chances they should have got something from the game it was a classic away smash and grab performance when you've got someone like Todd Campwell who, who knows how to take a chance under pressure lovely dancer as well um, I <laughs> I also say Temu Puki, he isn't scoring goals, but he's assisting goals. He's always working hard. He hassles a back line that's poor, which he will do in a game like this. Look, the only way Norwich gets something from it is they absorb Arsenal pressure and they take the chances when they come. But the thing is, when you play a big team, you might expect three chances. I expect three chances for West Ham against Chelsea. I expect Norwich to have six or seven chances in this game mm. and they have the players who can take those chances too we've just mentioned. Uh, we will get to struggling silver, hobbling Haas and Hootel on the failing Flores in just a second. Crack, we are being harsh today, aren't we? Uh, next, uh, let's get to Jose Mourinho who's reminding everyone why sometimes a change is as good as a rest. Here's Alex Crook. Jose Mourinho will be out to maintain the 100% start to his Spurs reign as he takes charge of a Premier League game at the magnificent Tottenham Hotspur Stadium for the very first time. Spurs have shown definite signs of improvement in Mourinho's two matches in charge, with the re-emergence of Deli Alley in particular. 
However, the defensive deficiencies that dogged Maurizio Pochettino in the final months of his tenure remain, with four goals conceded in two games against supposed inferior opponents. The big question for Bournemouth is will they be good enough to exploit these vulnerabilities? And the evidence of their recent results suggests maybe not. The usually free-flowing cherries have managed a meagre three goals in their last six games and are also in the midst of a striker crisis, with Callum Wilson their only fit frontman. That will be music to the ears of Mourinho, as the newly self-proclaimed humble one goes quietly about his North London revolution. Winner takes it all. The loser, well, rejoins the merry-go-round and ends up at Brescia or Spartak Moscow or Dresden or somewhere like that. Uh, another clash of David's two old clubs. He's been to more than Ross Barkley. Uh, so let's start with you. With your but shirt. not with my top off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, who are you saving? Can you prove that though? Is there any evidence of that? <laughs> who are you saving? If you're, if you're keeping one, which of your former employers are you advising to stick rather than twist? Oh, Watford or Southampton? Goodness me, brutal man. As I just tried to explain about Hassan, I think whether the players like him or don't like him, and I think quite a few of them maybe aren't on his side. Certainly Suarez at times, hasn't. he wants to get out of there. Ryan Bertrand, I'm not too sure. Well, he's sure. already got out of there once and then he has to come back. Yeah, exactly. Uh, dragged off at half-time. But the point is he's still able to get a performance out of these players. So if I was anyone, sometimes. I'd be sticking with Hassan, which would be sometimes, yeah. yeah. Okay, what about you? If you had to keep one of them. I would agree in that Southampton uh, started at a, a worse position at the start of this campaign than Watford did. I think Watford had a really good season with better players last campaign. And they were trying to build a team around the plan of Javi Grazia. And now they're going back to the old plan of just trying to hold on for a point in every single game. And that is why they're not scoring goals. They are, they're a mess of a club. The organisational structure. People tell me that chaos give, brings them success. I, I don't really see that with Watford. With Southampton, I think they built the entire side this year about the pace of Nathan Redmond and Moussa Gineppo. When they lost Gineppo from one side, we saw worse performances from Nathan Redmond. Gineppo's back. He came on, I think, against Arsenal last week, about an hour mark, and they kept going forward. He should have scored the third. It was his shot that Willett cleared off the line in that game. I think the side is built around the pace of those two, supporting Danny Ings, who scored 46% of Southampton's goals this season. They've got a good plan. I think they've got a manager who knows how to execute that plan, as David was saying. But do you I think, think they're that, not as far away as Watford are. Do you think that sometimes, though, he overcomplicates that plan by playing people out of position? He has done that a number of times this yeah. season, and that's caused them grief. But then against Arsenal, did, did he didn't play do a that. left wing back at one stage this season, or right wing back at one well, stage this season. I was told actually before this game that he wanted to play Hoiberg left back instead of Ryan Bertrand, which is in, in the uh, cup. Yeah. I think actually he thought about it and thought, well, if I leave Ryan Bertrand on the bench, left back, we suddenly get beaten and everyone says, well, why are you playing Hoiberg left back and Bertrand on the bench? But I think Southampton is a club a bit like Watford that's kind of hasn't really had someone at the top with real governance for a long time. Mm. I mean, the chairman left. There's been a huge turnover of people in charge at the top, obviously new owners. Normally, Southampton have had quite strong leadership in terms of when I was there, Nicola Cortese, like, you know, everyone was going... That's not strong leadership. That's dictatorship, isn't it? I mean, he used to walk around and make every decision. He He was in charge of everything. Well... Uh, he wasn't necessarily in charge of everything, but he was strong leadership. So anyway, Very he strong. was he was at the top, and then obviously you had everyone going down. Who was going to be the next manager was pretty much the appointments were pretty good. Everyone had a. It seemed like there was a succession plan in place. Obviously, he moved on. They had new chairman Ralph Kruger. He left, and then for a little while they haven't really had a direction from the from the top mm. and I think that Les Reed is now technical director at the FA absolutely Les left Ross Wilson left so 
and what happens with that is then you have different sorts of players signed. There's no real strategy going from the top down. But I think on the hassle hurdle, it's all about, you know, maybe when they turn over the ball, what they do with it, when they go and sort of attack pretty quickly. And I think they're very reliant on that high press, winning the ball back high, using their energy and legs. If teams like Arsenal play a different way, I think they could come up unstuck a little bit now Watford aren't going to play out from the back so this might be a different sort of game certainly Arsenal played into the hands but I think that if I was going to keep either manager at the minute it would certainly be hassle at the end of the day should the person in charge of recruitment get a little bit more attention because with all these clubs that we're talking about mm. they haven't recruited particularly well no that's a fair point but I think it's interesting that as far as I understand it Ralph Hasenhutl didn't want Danny Ings he didn't want him at the club he was one of the players that he wanted to get out of there to bring in his own talent and one, at the end of the day of the he had to sign he had him had was Charlie Austin wasn't it because yeah. he, he made a massive thing about getting rid of Charlie Austin he was very popular in the dressing room that upset one or two inside the, the dressing room as a result of that and especially the way he handled it but the point is David well, Conley opened the door on that the point is that it's it's all luck isn't it it's all luck with these managers it's luck that a, that's a not player luck, of... is it? that's doing your research that's realising that this guy is a particular personality knows that he's an influence in the dressing room by alienating him and causing him a problem you're going to annoy everybody else you don't Surely you don't do that, or you manage that. What well, makes it Charlie Austin or Hasenhutter? What camp are you in? You've got to get rid of someone like that, haven't you? Well, I think he's certainly got players there now that he'd want to get rid of, a bit like Pochettino. But I don't think he has much choice. Yeah, you know, a Ryan Bertrand, for example, or a Nathan Redmond, as long as they're on it and delivering for him. But I think in an ideal world, they he might well, they rather have they're in the other players. Zone. Absolutely, but I don't know until it comes to January or in the summer. You know who else he can get in, but for the minute, yeah. certainly. Look, if they've got the likes of Danny Ings as that focal point up front, I got to say they worked ever so hard. Those players, whether they're playing for the manager or playing for themselves, it didn't really matter. They but put in a really good performance. They are still doing the Hassan hustle, uh, as they call it. Um, what about Flores? is that just a you thing or is that a real no, no, thing? No, no, they call it the Hassan hustle. You have to work at a certain speed and tempo. You'd be in that nightclub with Ross Barkley again. <laughs> he was doing that. Put your shirt on, song. mate. Come on. Um, what about uh, Flores' flops? <sighs> They're um, a poor side. Poor Watford, a very, very poor side. They don't create chances. He's come in because they, they conceded a lot of goals and he's gone all out defence. Five at the back, two oldie midfielders, desperate last week to try and stop Burnley scoring. Add that workout. 3-0 defeat. Never looked like creating any chances in that game. And what they have going forward is one player of real class, and that is Gerard Delefeu. However, he only plays for one person, and that is Gerard Delefeu. He gets the ball, he tries to beat five players, might create a chance, might score a goal. He needs to find a way, Flores, of harnessing the ability of a player who is, I think, incredible on the ball and has incredible potential, but also a dreadful attitude. And also, he's got to stop being so negative in winnable games. And this game, this weekend, has got to be winnable for Watford. If he goes out, eight players trying to stop Southampton scoring, they'll get beaten. He thinks that he has to do that because the team was lacking so much in confidence. They were conceding too many goals and they lost a bit going forward as a result of that. But that was a couple of weeks ago now. Now they've got to start picking up results because otherwise they are going to be certain uh, for the job and he's going to be uh, certain for the job. Uh, right, if Ralph, Kike, Manuel and Una, I think they've got it bad. Imagine being miserable, Marco. Bernard has a chance here, decides to check inside, still goes on. Bernard, he's made a lot of it and scored a wonderful goal. A match- 
Shinko! Lovely teasing centre comes off the top of Suyun Shu's head. Harvey Barnes! Oh, oh what oh, a goal! Harvey Barnes on the half volley oh, has crashed home. An incredible goal to put Leicester back in front. Here's Pereira, edge of the area from Indeedy. Steers it wide to Vardy, who's inside the area. Pokes it back to Madison, right foot is shot, 2 0. Here is Sigurdsson down the right again. The cross in is cleared away as far as Awobi, who tries to find the shot in. It's Coleman with the effort, and Coleman is equalised. Manchester City were all over the place there. I think we should probably point out that culturally, Portuguese people are a little bit more reserved in expressing their emotions, and that may be one of the reasons that he never smiles. But also, looking at his record, it will make most Everton fans weep. This weekend, they've got Leicester. Good luck. And it ain't getting any easier, is it? Because I mentioned this um, last week. Whoever comes in as the potential new management team, their first few fixtures, if they're going to take over in the next few weeks, are going to be Chelsea, United, Arsenal, Leicester. City on the on the horizon. Like the first up is Leicester this weekend. Apparently, he's going to be in charge uh, for that. He's not helping himself, though, is he? Mm. Bringing on a right-back for a right-back against Norwich when you need to win the game. Bringing on Iwobi once they'd, they'd gone behind. What does he do against Leicester? How does he set up against Leicester to ensure that they don't get embarrassed? Because they could do, couldn't they? Yeah, they really could. Um, I've seen him a few times this season and they're hard to nail down exactly what they are. I mean, at times he's flirted with who he plays as that number nine. I think certainly, you know, he's always struggled to find that number nine, like Everton have, I think, for since they lost Lukaku. Yeah. yeah, they just haven't. Uh, Tosin's obviously was there at the minute. Calvert-Lewin at times when he comes on looks a real handful. Um, I don't think they have the balance right. I mean, the two centre-halves, I thought, for example, when I was at the Amex, I did uh, the Brighton game and I thought Mason Holgate was superb, but he was really, really poor at the weekend. Really poor. Him and Mina were all over the place. Um, and they made a, a Norwich attack, which has found it really hard to score goals. And they were just cutting through them mm. like a knife through butter. The assistant manager who was there has gone on to Portuguese football and he's taken a small provincial team into the top three of the Superliga in Portugal. And there's a lot of accusations that this was the guy that was really the brains behind the operation. And since his departure, they've got worse. They've started to concede more goals. They've stopped scoring We've asked this question a lot, actually. What is a Marco Silva team? Are they a counter-attacking team? Are they a team that plays on the front foot and tries to create? Are they a team that defends with a low block? What what do they do? We we, we don't actually know no. because there's no consistency of performance. However, I would say in the defence of Marco Silva, I watched the Norwich game and I didn't think they played that poorly. Yes, defensively they were bad. Mason Holgate at centre-half did not work out. And me, you know, I've never been the biggest fan of him defensively. But going forward... They created chances, they dominated possession. Other games, they would have got something from it. If you are a supporter of a team like Everton, upper mid-table at best, you're going to lose games like that. I don't think that game was a massive, massive issue. I'll tell you what's interesting. We spoke about recruitment earlier on. Let's go through the three crisis clubs we mentioned on the programme. In the summer, who did Everton need? A centre-forward. Did they do it? No. Who did Arsenal need? Centre-halves. Did they buy any good ones? No. Who did West Ham need? A centre-midfielder. Did they do it? No. And so without those players in those positions, you're going to continue to struggle. So it is recruitment, but also I think that this team isn't as bad as all that. But also they did sign Moise again, but he hasn't A 19-year-old who not really played up front that much in his career. Exactly. Mad yeah. decision. But the, obviously that's where they apportion their money. So you'd have to question... David Luiz and Arsenal, same they've story. they've spent so much money. Over the course of the last three or four years, they've spent so much money. They've got a billionaire who funds that club. 
but they're in a worse position now than they were when they before they had the billionaire. They're they're a team that are just completely going in no direction. They're not they're not going anywhere. Four points off they're six. They're going though, right? nowhere. Four points off six at the moment. They're one place. What are they one place off the bottom four. That or? whole mid section of the league from Sheffield United down to where West Ham are in 17th there's almost nothing in it all these teams are going to go on bad runs and do you know what I'm at a stage now where for Everton and West Ham for in, in this example for those two teams it's not going to happen and that's great it's never going to happen for you so why not let the managers see the season now and if you go down you go down you belong down <laughs> you're never going to go but, anywhere but so let's, let's have a go at it the money's so uh, Amazing in the Premier League, they're not going to allow you to be in a situation where you you can drop into the Championship and you hope that you can come back. But all that you, happens you now you is David Moyes goes into one of these two clubs, oh, and that, then so in the end of the season happen. they do it again. That is they bring happen. someone else in because they realise they don't fancy Moyes. Eventually, but one of these managers has to be given the a Premier chance. League. You can't do that if you're in the Championship. And ultimately, Everton are and West Ham are both in danger of falling into the Championship. Everton primarily because they've already gone on a bad run, and their next run of games is Liverpool, Chelsea, Manchester. United, Leicester, Arsenal, Burnley, Newcastle, Manchester City, and that's you know up until the first of January. Mm. It's it's. He, he said to me when I asked him about this, yeah, but we'll play better against better teams. <laughs> Where's the evidence for that? Where is the evidence I love that. for that? I mean, when they get beat by, I think certainly, look, at the time, Sheffield United weren't where they are now, but obviously losing at home to them, they've suffered so many defeats against sides, your Brightons of this world, do you think, you know, really you want to be picking up points against them? Because now, obviously, with that tough run that they've got coming up, it puts them under so much pressure. It's a real tough run for them. A meeting of directors has taken place after the game against Norwich. Bill Kemright was there, Chief Executive Denise Barrett-Baxendale, Farhad Mashiri was there. Um, they, they talked about Marco Silva's future. I think they're going to back him for now, but I know they're making contingency plans. They've made inquiries. They're a bit split on what to do, but I think it's a matter of time. George uh, Jesus or Jorge Jesus has emerged as a candidate to take over after leading Flamenco to the Copa de Libertadores. See what happens when you put football on terrestrial TV? Um, he's led Flamenco... Well, you get the Everton job. Yeah, to 26 <laughs> games unbeaten. He's Portuguese. He was the manager of Benfica in sporting. He's 65. Is that the kind of manager that they need? Or do they need someone a little bit closer to home? See, again, I go back to my point that these guys need to eventually decide whether they're going to be chopping and changing forever, bringing in a British manager to save them, then a foreign manager to move them forward, then a British manager to save them. Both, all these clubs have had Sam Allardyce and David Moyes. They've already broken glass repeatedly to get these emergency bosses in. Look, I think what happens is we're in a culture where players decide, right, the manager's going, so I can down tools and he'll be gone in a few weeks and I'll start giving it for the new manager. Hold on, does that we happen? Of course it does. Does it happen? It can happen. Of course yeah, it does. It, Even you can tell with your eyes. We don't need to ask you. It happens. I, I'm not too sure it would happen with certain managers. If you look at some managers in the Premier League, I'll, I'll give an example. And for example... Has it happened in the dressing room you've been in? Um... That down tools. I can't... I wouldn't say no players have necessarily down tools, but I know that you'd have some players who are unhappy with, with certain and managers. And how does that but affect they, performance? Yeah, that's, it's hard to quantify how... But can you feel it? Even if you can't quantify it, can you feel it? So you're sitting in a dressing room. It's subconscious there is sometimes. A, there, is a, there is a guy there who you've sort of lost faith in and you're thinking to yourself, oh, yeah, all right. Some managers you might have a fear factor with and some you wouldn't. And I think certainly there's some managers in the Premier League who, for example, Everton lost against, you think they've got a fear factor that 
I don't think Silver has. So say, I and that's know. because Chris the manager Wilder. is backed, isn't it? The, the, you know, the boss is going to stay in charge. You know, he has the final say. And so I either buck my ideas up, or I'm not a Premier League player anymore. And instead, we're in a culture where the players are allowed to down tools, and then the manager goes, and all of a sudden, Deli Ali looks like a world beater again. But would would Christian Eriksen's putting in great crosses again? All it, of a sudden, do you think players like who are at Burnley under Sean Dyche or Sheffield under Chris Wilder would down tools? I think Do you think they they'll did, be allowed to? If they no. did, Sean Dyche would get rid of them. Absolutely. And what we've got to ask so, so, so is so, players who don't so want to be you, there. So and are you saying, clubs? therefore, that Sean Dyche and Chris Wilder should be considered for the Everton job? Yes. Absolutely. Do yeah. you think they will be? I don't think they get Sean Dyche. They possibly could get Chris Wilder. Sean Dyche would walk out tomorrow if Everton said, Do you want to be Everton manager? I have no doubt about what that. What about Eddie Howe? Yeah, someone like Eddie as well. I think it's done brilliant, but I know obviously that that maybe this season they're not where maybe they feel they should be but certainly with what he's had to work with they've there. only won one in eight haven't they Bournemouth why would you want him at the moment they're on as bad well, a run as Everton because they're yeah, basically but, a third division team that are in the Premier League yeah, I Callum still, Wilson doesn't seem like a third division player I Ryan Fraser not a third division player because they've built it and recruited well over time I think someone like that an Eddie Howe a Chris Wilder a Sean Dyche would be a brilliant Everton manager David Moyes do you think he'll get a job before Christmas I think he could get the Everton one, yeah. I think he'd definitely get a job before Christmas. He's going to be the best Christmas ever in the Moyes house. He's just sitting there right now going, who's going to pay me more? Who's going to give me the longest contract? What about Aladicio? I can't Will he wait. come back somewhere? Uh, it's, it's, Does it's, someone do that? It's really possible. Uh, whatever happens, it ain't going to be a bad Christmas for the Sheffield United boss. This season is getting wilder and wilder. Here's another party animal, Alex Crook. I was privileged to commentate one of the games of the season as Sheffield United and Manchester United served up a six-goal thriller on TalkSport Live. While Chris Wilder was delighted with his side's attacking play, the Blaze defending during a crazy spell when they allowed United to come back from 2-0 down to lead 3-2 left a lot to be desired. How much of that was down to the absence of goalkeeper Dean Henderson and defender John Egan, we should find out on Sunday, with both expected to return. Ollie McBurney ultimately rescued the Blades from a defeat they would not have deserved and Wilder will be hoping his record signing can kickstart his season from here. Wolves were there one of the Premier League's most informed teams after going eight top flight games unbeaten for the first time since way back in 1974. In Real Jimenez they have a striker who just can't stop scoring so goals should once again be guaranteed at Molyneux. It's time for the Dream Team section of the programme. I've just started playing the Dream Team Weekender. I've already come under pressure from the board of directors. Andrew Butler is under pressure as well to find you a Dream Team gem, but he's been saving people all over the place this week. I hear he's been escorting people back from Christmas parties and all sorts. He's such a nice guy. Lovely fella. And here to save your Dream Team this week by looking at Liverpool against uh, Brighton. How are you? You okay? Very well. And you know what Hero. pressure creates? Hero. Diamonds. Oh, does so. it? <laughs> so is that your so chat line for the cap? Has it happened? <laughs> so trying to find some diamonds in. Uh, in these games Liverpool versus Brighton yeah um, careful uh, ladies of London if you hear that line you know where it came from uh, Liverpool are very dangerous now aren't they because you can't really guess what their starting eleven's going to be because they need to rotate they have to rotate they have to rotate obviously with the, the Club World Cup coming up as well in, uh, in four weeks time a, a, a real staple of, of their attacking has been Andy Robertson he's not someone that I've actually mentioned on the podcast um, so far this season but he's the second highest point scorer defence 
defence-wise. And uh, So he's the second highest point scorer in defence and you haven't mentioned him when we're on episode 15. Yes. Oh. He's really uh, across the agenda. He knows what he's talking about. <laughs> there's, a, uh, there's a wonderful <laughs> symmetry between Robertson and uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold as well on Dream Team. Uh, Robertson's got 66 points. Alexander-Arnold's got 60 Robertson's been picked by 42.7% of teams, Alexander-Arnold 40%. It really does prove that, you know, a lot of their t- attacking comes down their flanks, yeah. incredibly symmetrical, and their points prove it as well. Okay, um, I've asked you so much on this section of the programme about Brighton over mm. the last couple of weeks, and they've failed to score in three of their last five uh, league away games. So let's move on. Uh, Manchester United <laughs> against Aston Villa. Mason Greenwood came off the bench uh, to score at Sheffield United. At but let's be clear, they were actually pretty ordinary before that very odd seven minutes at Bramall Lane. Is he worth picking up? It's, it's hard to know. He's only got 36 points um, so far this season, got five points at the weekend. He's 1.5 million, only picked by 0.7% of teams. So if you're really looking for a cheap gem, you'd go for him probably. But Marcus Rashford's only 4 million still in the game and he's probably going to hit 100 points for the season uh, this weekend. He's on 99, so all the best to him. But he's the, the ninth highest scorer in, in the game in total as well. So Rashford's genuinely worth a look, I think. Um, I don't expect United to, to stutter against Villa despite the fact they did stutter against Sheffield United, as you Does say. Does anyone have Brandon Williams in their team? Because that um, goal he scored, the, the technical ability to score that was fantastic. And he's, what, 18, 19? Well, there yeah. was a touch out of the sky at Bournemouth I think it was a couple of weeks where the ball just dropped and yeah. killed it stone dead he's, he's a very good little player yeah he? I mean United are seemingly bringing in these sort of youngsters who are impressing not quite impressing enough to, to get the starting burst every single week and also playing in the team that are just squeezing th- a draw against Sheffield United so Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's got some work to do but obviously. who's got him but who's got him in dream team Brandon Williams where's my stats I need how to... many managers have got him <laughs> yeah. I'll dig into the exact number and get back to you next week if we um, all remember um, um, David, is the uh, pressure mounting again on Jolly Ollie? Well, is it mounting? Um, because they got that, they got that shadowy l- figure they of Maurizio Pochettino yes. now, sort of lurking on everybody's shoulder. Yeah, that's right. Although um, certainly, I think the response in the second half was fantastic. I think if they'd have lost that game, I think there would be huge calls for him certainly to lose his job. But it is easy to respond when you are already two 0 down. Well, I mean, that's right. But you've got to remember. Sheffield United at home at Bramall Lane are a real force. Everyone's found that. Even Liverpool found that time. But shouldn't they have known that beforehand? Well, yeah, they did. But I think that... Um, I don't know whether they were just caught on the hop. They maybe didn't expect them to be that good. I don't know why. What about certainly the fact at home, they were, they were brilliant. What about the fact they were on top and battering Sheffield United, turn it from 2-0 to 3-2, and he makes another change to bring on two and Zabi for Martial, and they go defensive again, and then they concede. Look, at some point, you've got to think, we're going to keep what we hold. I know that. But then other people will say, well, under Fergie, he would have gone for it, maybe. He, wouldn't, he would have either left Martial on, or would he have tried to get another goal to win the game? But certainly, I think that was an error. But... Um, the response was excellent. However, if you've got someone like Pochettino on the side, I mean, that'll put mm. most managers under pressure. Mm. Okay, Villa captain Jack Grealish is a great player, but he never gets me enough points in my team. Um, El Ghazi popped up with an assist last week and Harahan ran the show against yeah. Newcastle. Would yeah. he have an impact against Manchester United away from home? I mean, Harahan's only been picked by 0.2% of, of teams as well. Got 15 points against uh, against Newcastle on Monday night. Is that more or less than Brandon Williams, well. would you say? It's uh, more, okay. more. 
higher yeah. or lower than Brandon Williams? <laughs> it's higher. I'm sure it's higher. Um, he was fantastic against Newcastle. I thought Villa but he doesn't were, start were, every week. That's no, the problem, he doesn't. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah, he doesn't. And we're on him today, aren't we? They were. They <laughs> were brilliant. Better. They were. They were brilliant on Monday as well. Villa, Grealish, um, only been picked by 4.4 percent of teams as well. It's, it, I think you're, I agree with you, Sam. Though he doesn't quite get enough points, despite having, for me, the best legs in the Premier League. Ooh. Who's this? Jack Grealish. Has Have you seen legs? his legs? Hair free. Well, no, they're not hair free, but as they're free just the so muscular, curvy, um, best legs in the Premier League for me. And yep. look, if, 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 any listener want, <laughs> if any listener wants to disagree with me, keep sending me pictures of Premier League legs. <laughs> um, At Mr. Andrew Butler on Twitter. <laughs> Um, and then John McGinn, uh, our, our favourite as well. Um, he's always he's always worth a look. Um, didn't perform as well as he usually does against Newcastle. But, Messi, uh, yeah. yeah. Crystal Palace and Roy Hodgson haven't been mentioned as potential problems yet, but they've only won four games this season against teams you would expect them to beat. And Manchester United. Here's Alex Crook. Well, the wave of early season optimism that was swirling around Selhurst Park has slowly dissipated. Palace were on the cusp of the Champions League places after making their best start to a campaign in the Premier League era. But that was after taking full advantage of a kind-hearted fixture fairy. The Eagles' recent assignments have been much more difficult. And while coming out of last weekend's controversial VAR-assisted defeat at home to Liverpool with plenty of credit, it was still a fourth loss in five matches. Roy Hodgson will see the trip to Turf Moor as a chance to stop the rot, although Burnley themselves are flying high in sixth place, a far cry from this time a year ago. Much of the Claret's success has been down to the deadly strike duo of Chris Wood and Ashley Barnes, who have 29 Premier League goals between them in 2019. Good luck stopping that pair, Roy. Steve Bruce wasn't on our list of under-pressure managers, mainly because at the time of recording, he was 50-1 to to be the next manager to be sacked. Wow. Uh, Last year, the game uh, between Manchester City and Newcastle produced a seismic shock at St James's Park. Newcastle beat Manchester City. They kind of like these sort of games, don't they, Newcastle United? Why is that, David? Uh, well, I think it certainly suits them when they don't really have to make the game. Um, but they haven't enjoyed a lot of possession against anyone. The, their average is about, what, 30 40%. It'll be pretty similar. Under Benitez, you'd fancy that, yeah, they'll be very difficult to beat. They'll play a back three, which will be a back five. But at the top end of the pitch, they would always have that threat with a Rondon or a Perez. Obviously, they don't really have that at the minute. Unless a centre-half or a defender nicks them a goal, they're really not going to score. Mm. They do possess a little bit of a different threat in terms of a bit more pace possibly at the top of the pitch but in terms of end product and are they going to have enough to trouble the Man City side I just can't see it City are not at their best are they no. I mean Stuart Pearce said to me on Saturday that he thought that they suffered psychologically against Liverpool because the gap now is so big it's going to affect them they, they probably know in, in their heart of hearts that the, that the Premier League is already gone I think there's a bit of that I think there's also a sort of bit about you know we won the league twice and it's hardly ever the case that teams win it three times in a row that just doesn't happen in our division um, and I'm not sure their heart is actually in it I think they're obsessed more with the conspiracy theory that the media want Liverpool to win it you know it's a great narrative they think and everybody wants that to happen don't give the game away I think yeah I think Pep, come on Liverpool oh no did I say out loud I think Pep wants the Champions League as well he pretty much said as much on Sunday night when I went to this glitzy dinner 
with him and Jurgen Klopp, oh. at which they did a, a little speech each. And Pep's final thing was they had all the trophies there that both the two clubs have won. And he said, the problem is, is that uh, Jurgen wants that one and pointed to the Premier League and I want that one. Maybe we should swap, which was which I thought was quite a sort of revealing thing as well. I spoke to him after the game on Saturday mm. and he basically said, you know, if we don't win the Premier League, you know, OK, I'll try again next year. Who cares? Um, we, we've got other things to go. I, I've won it twice already. I can't, you know, I can't do more than I've already yeah. done. So I, and I just wonder whether or not in the league, if you take your pedal off the gas just a little bit. Yeah someone does power away from you I don't buy that to be honest I don't buy the City want to win the Champions League Liverpool want to win the league we're all going to be happy I think that's a nice cosy narrative I'll tell you what the issue is it's plain and simple the defence is loaded with poor quality second rate players and Rodrigo in centre midfield is quite immobile if it were me, I'd put Rodrigo at centre-half and Fernandinho back in midfield because he moves around a lot more. Um, not quite seeing what Rodrigo brings to that midfield defensively. There's not the protection that Fernandinho used to bring. Benjamin Mendy looked about two stone overweight. He, he shouldn't wear light blue. He looks blue. very, very heavy. Yeah, he looks a bit like when Dean Ashton came back when he was wearing a white shirt in 2006. And I spoke to Dino once and said, uh, what, that white shirt... Should you have worn that? And he was like, I never play for a team that wear white. If I play for 10 more years, I never want to wear a white shirt. Because some people can't wear white. I can't wear white. Not even in the summer. It gives the, it gives the game away. It, it looks like you've got too much timber. You won't know because you're a very svelte man. And Dave's obviously in great shape. But chubbers like me, we don't wear white. And Sky You Blue, have got a white shirt on, but you've got a blue jumper exactly on Exactly right. Always <laughs> cover with the sweater. Always you've, cover the boots with the sweater. You've got great legs, though, That is true. Is, I do have fantastic calves. Uh, but Benjamin Mendy looks overweight, can't run. Cancelo, not really seeing it why he's better than Kyle Walker. John Stones, his confidence is frazzled. Fernandinho is not a centre-half. We know that Otamendi is unfancied and not very good at defending one-on-one against players. Are you Those throwing the Pep there. into the under-pressure manager I'm saying silo? That, I'm saying that throughout his entire career he's needed billions of pounds to build a good defence and right now the billions are not forthcoming and his defenders are poor and because of that they'll continue to concede goals and we go back to all the arguments we've had today and all the discussions about these teams and how do teams get better? How does confidence get raised? It's victories and good performances. And right now, the victories don't come with good performances. They come with big errors. Even in midweek against Shakhtar Donetsk, the goalkeeper's making errors. Far too chances. Far too many chances. Chelsea, Chelsea, if they didn't give the ball away as much last Saturday, would have won the game. Absolutely. Too many mistakes at the back from Manchester City. Too many holes. And the biggest issue is, is that they defend with too few numbers. Ultimately, they, they allow some of those forward players... To, to cheat a little bit and stay further up and don't do their defensive This is duty. a great point. You and watch their video. Outnumbered. You watch the videos of the goals that they concede yeah. and you can see that it was like six on six. Players aren't sprinting back. You watch the video of Atletico earlier this season, the famous video where they've got nine players all sprinting back as hard as they possibly can to stop the counter. You watch City conceding. You watch the game against Shakhtar in midweek. When the goal goes in for Shakhtar, there's only five Man City players that have got back. The others are not getting back. That's a great point. The work rate is not there. Maybe people like De Bruyne and Sterling are not being asked to do it. And if they're not, they're going to keep conceding goals because now Vincent Company ain't going to bail them out. They certainly look. We know they're not performing at the level that that they have been. We know that. I think. I think I'm with Sam here on this. That psychologically, and if Stuart Pearce said this as well, that Liverpool dealt Mahama blow. Certainly, when they beat them, and it was pretty convincing. And they've got that bit between their teeth. Have Man City for the league? I think certainly the Premier, uh, the Champions League, is what Pep needs to win. Would he stay on as City manager if they if they don't win the Champions League? Yes. He says I'm then, not going nowhere. But I think then. Another season without winning it, and I think 
they'll be certainly looking he, at... He won't at, stay for a long time. No, I think, he won't. I think whatever happens, this will probably be Guardiola's last year. I, 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 I can't see him Six saying. weeks ago, but then he sort of blew that out of the water. But um, you can't take these guys at their no, word, you can you? Of course and you the can't. You, you know can't, that. Because as soon as he says, I'm leaving, or as soon as he doesn't address it, the players switch off and it gets even worse. Well, would you, would, you have said, really. would you have said Pochettino after the Champions League final would be out of a job within... But he talked Four, himself five, out of yeah. job, didn't he? Yeah. By saying exactly that. But do you think he would have done? I thought he would. Have, I thought after the Champions League final, whatever happened, he was going to resign. Yeah, so did I. I thought watching that press conference before the Champions League final, you could tell I'm going to give my all to yeah. this, and then we're done. He was, this was inevitable. He wanted, he wanted out. He, he wanted. He wanted to move on. It's uh, a long time. Five years is a really long time. So will Pep be the same whether he wins or doesn't win that Champions history League. tells you that that is is what happens and he'll yeah. take a year off and he'll be at Juventus by 2022 he'll be there for three years and then eventually West Ham for the Champions League in 2027 <laughs> this week we're focusing on managers yes and we decided that with all the evidence that we presented to you over the course of the last well, Forty minutes or so, uh, we would use this opportunity to make a case for an under-fire gaffer. It might sound a little bit like we're defending the indefensible, or in Unai Emery's case, defending the non-defending. But let's see what we've got, Tom. Um, I'd like to defend, in a roundabout sort of way, Manuel Pellegrini, who oh, I don't think should be sacked, for the main reason, through the statistics, that West Ham are always useless. Um, so West Ham are winless in their last seven Premier League games, two draws and five defeats in that time, losing the last three, conceding three in all those games. That ain't great. But they've actually done this twice before in the competition. Uh, they lost four in a row, conceding three-plus goals, September 2010 to September 2016. Uh, and if they do it now, they'll be the first team to do this three times. And so... Manuel Pellegrini should be given more time because West Ham are always useless and he's a man during his career, unlike other managers in the frame for the job to replace him, who have conceded nothing, he's actually done something with the likes of Real Madrid, Man City, Malaga and a few others. And so we should keep him because whoever else we bring in historically, we're going to be as bad. Who are you putting the commentator's curse on? Uh, my curse is going to go on that man, Marco Silva. All right, go on, go for um, it. Why? Well, I'll make a case for him because, it, I mean, he's been much derided, certainly Everton have, in terms of their goals conceded from set pieces. Yeah. The top five teams to have conceded Premier League goals from set pieces since the start of last season yeah. was who? Everton. 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 Closely followed by a few in behind it, your Watfords of this world. Yeah. And you remember then, I think, they added to that. Um, Yuri Mina put one in his own net against Chef Yu. So they do concede an awful lot of goals from set pieces. But is it more than... Most? Or is it out of the ordinary? Well, this season they've faced, what, 55 corners, I think it is. But they've only conceded four goals from them. So maybe they're not that bad at set pieces, or not as bad as you think, because that means they've successfully defended over 50. So you're saying he's a good coach for set pieces? I'm saying he's he's not as bad as the stats will tell you. (laughs) Yeah, we told you it was going to be a stretch, folks. Uh, (laughs) uh, I'm going for Unai Emery. I mean, why would you get rid of this guy? He's had a host of injuries all season to worry about. He's come up with a plan to rescue results against Wolves, Palace, Southampton. He survived a fight back from Watford, mighty Watford. He's come back from 2-0 down against Tottenham to draw at home when Tottenham were at their lowest ebb. So, so, so what that they've only beaten Villa and Bournemouth in the Premier League since August? They've only lost three times, and that was to Liverpool, Leicester and high-flying Sheffield United. They're still in the Europa League, so what if they're out of the cup? Uh, and, and they're still above Spurs and Manchester United. It's not that bad, Arsenal fans. Honest, trust me when I say that Unai Emery 
is on the verge, David, of something special. <laughs> I knew that was coming. Well done. Do you know what? I thought mine was nonsense and Dave's was garbage, but yours is actually very good. And I'll tell you what, Arsenal fans, I was out with Arsenal fans on Saturday night follow or Sunday night following, no, Saturday following the game. You haven't got any on friends, Sunday. don't I? No, yeah, well, they don't like me, but I certainly like them. And they're all moaning, saying he's got to go, he's got to go. And it's like, you're right, they've conceded three, uh, lost three games this season. They're sitting in eighth. They're a couple of points off fifth, which is as good as Arsenal are going to get. Arsenal fans, you don't deserve more than anyone else. Mate. Southampton can turn up and put in a good performance and get something from the game, which they did. You've got no divine right to win a game. You're not Real Madrid. You're not Bayern Munich. Except who you are, which yeah, is but fifth ultimately, best. And I'm, I'm going to undo my own defence of Unai Emery here. They've beaten Villa, Bournemouth, Newcastle and Burnley this season in the Premier League. You convince me! <laughs> Don't unconvince me! Uh, Newcastle versus Manchester City and Southampton against Watford are on game day from TalkSport this week. We've got three Premier League commentaries back to back to back. Last week was absolutely corking. What a day it was. Our highest figures of the entire season so far. And the reason was the football was immense. And all that football is on TalkSport this weekend. I imagine it's going to be another great weekend and you can hear everything around the world on Premier League Live. Remember, you can subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, ACAR, Spotify or Google Pods or wherever you pick up your pods. That was a game day Premier League preview show. A TalkSport exclusive podcast. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds updates on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Geeky Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.